set the mood. Now this is the opening. Now I could not find Thanksgiving music. Oh wow. The opening. Now I could not find Thanksgiving music. Oh wow. Yes, but I did find. They call this like some Christmas music, but I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Did you about. purchase this music for 9.99? No, no, no. This actually cost 39.99. So, we will be using this <laughs> until the new year. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Moreno show. Very special episode today. Very, um, the world did not burn down after the election. <laughs> you know, I still see a lot of boarded up street signs, boarded up, you know, uh, businesses on Sunset. I hate it. But it seems that the world is coming together. People in the stock market seems happy. And you know what they say about the stock market? Um, you can judge a uh, rich person's feelings by the direction of the stock market. So, yeah. you know, yes, people seem to be happy in this world. Things seem to yeah. be coming around. Nothing's on fire. Yeah, me and all my friends are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, it is what it is. I um, I appreciate the arm. The armed uh, security that brought me in here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I now that, that. In case you're wondering who that voice is, that's Richard Sarvate <laughs> to my right. And in studio today, the absolutely fascinating and, God, I, I could say so many things about this man. William Cat. thank you for joining us, sir. Yes, of all the thousands that we'll see, at least, you know, in the next week. I have to say, William, you are... <laughs> There's a lot of ways to describe um, a person of your ilk. I would say you are <laughs> you are an artist through and through. Now, now I, I've never been called ilk. No, <laughs> well, it, it's it's like you. Um, I would have to say you were one of the very early that guys, and I think that's amazing. You know, because I recognized you immediately, but I wasn't sure where. And then as I went through your filmography, I I can't say how many of your movies that I've seen over time because I'm such I'm such a junkie for film, television and story and especially kind of some of the the non-mainstream films, which I would say your career—I've done plenty of non-mainstream <laughs> films. Well, your yes. well, your career. Let's not is, talk about those. No, you've done some amazing. <laughs> Look, th there's there's a time and place for all different kinds of art. You know, uh, music, whatever it may be, film. You though, you, <laughs> you've done some really quirky, offbeat. Very interesting that, films. Now that, that's a very nice way. No of putting man. It. Yeah. Let's start Dude. from the beginning. Born in Los Angeles. How? When did you decide you were going to be an actor? Oh, uh, gee whiz! Like when was that moment of conception? I guess I, I followed a pretty girl into when I was in college, my first year of college at Orange, Orange Coast College. I, okay. I followed a pretty girl into the auditorium uh, because I was interested, and there was an acting class going on. And uh, as it turns out. And I didn't get lucky with her, by the way. Oh, let, let me oh preface sorry. I've, I've seen your face. You've gotten plenty <laughs> of lucky in your life. <laughs> but it turns out that uh, Jack Holland was the gentleman's name, and he was the teacher. And uh, he was a friend of my mom and my dad from earlier in uh, in Hollywood, and he was teaching. He was now, a professor. Were your and parents? I in decided. The oh, this is kind of fun, huh? Were your parents in the business? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my okay. dad, is, uh, Bill Williams, he did a lot of. Uh, westerns, most famously Kit Carson that he did with uh, Don Don Lemon, I think was his name. Sure. No, Don Diamond. Okay. Don Diamond was his name. 
uh, did Kit Carson for five years, did uh, Date with the Angels with Betty White. He did uh, Simon Underwater, which is, was going on at the same time Lloyd Bridges was doing his, uh, his undersea adventure. So my dad was a, a comp- on a competing network. And my mom, uh, who had a, a little bit better career, uh, was Barbara Hale. Uh, most famously remembered for Della Street, Della Street on the Perry Mason series. And how do you judge a better career? Because I think you, you and your family. Because I did not look up your parents. I assumed being well, born in Los Angeles, you were in the business. So yeah, yeah. Well, what, what was a, a good career? I mean, a, a good career is being able to make a living. So yes, yes. What you do, and I, I I've been able to do that. So. I, yeah, I had a I had a pretty decent. Yeah, trust me, too. both of us know we are not working stand-up comedians. Just <laughs> <laughs> to be okay. So we <laughs> I, I guess I'm a studio engineer then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so you were born into the. Where'd you go to high school? Huh? Where'd you go to high school? Hi Hazel. Hi Hazel. Uh, I went to. Uh, let's see. I went to Grant High School. Uh, I have a. I have a co-star here with me. Yeah, she's, yeah, Roberto. Could we? we love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> what a lover, what a lover. Yes. I went to DeGrand High School. I went to Notre Dame briefly. I went to Army-Navy Academy, which was a boarding school uh, during a time my dad and I weren't getting along. And so during this time, you never, being in L.A., you never considered acting? I did a couple things. You know, I would hang around the sets with my parents. And I, I, I got I got very lucky uh, to do a few little things on Perry Mason. You know, I was the guy, the kid that said they went that way. You know, yeah. And then uh, I I did do a scene on Rawhide with Clint Eastwood. I had a pretty good scene when I was about twelve. Um, and then it it kind of eluded me until I was uh, in college, and uh, I decided that it seemed like a lot of fun. I fell in love with the the people, uh, the theater. Which I would consider myself a theater person. I I started uh, working at South Coast Repertory, which is a, a very prominent, well-known uh, Lort Theater Company, a repertory company in Orange County. And I was with them for two or three years. I went into the service uh, for a while. When I got out, then I really started pursuing acting. And so, how long have you been in the the Guild, Screen Actors Guild? Gee. I got my equity card yeah. when I was 21. So it was wow, right in, in that area. Wow, 21. and how so much my SAG and my equity card has yeah. changed since then. Oh. So much has oh changed. Oh, my God, yeah. What, now, now, when you started as, as a young actor, you, you, it seemed like your career proget- progressed pretty fast. Like you were in from okay now how old were you in Blue or Big Wednesday? Big Wednesday, I was twenty seven. You were twenty seven. Yeah. God, now Richard, we watched this together yes. last week. Not you were. For those of you who haven't seen Big Wednesday, um, uh, it is a coming of age story with uh, you. Um, the it is the Airwolf. Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent. Jan Michael Vincent. And Ma- Gary Busey. And yes. Gary Busey, who always was crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> Even as, as a young man, he was yeah. he was outrageous. <laughs> yeah. Like, he looked like he had veneers even at 20-something. Yeah, yeah. Gary's, <laughs> Gary's pretty outrageous, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. did, you, did you surf then? Oh, God, I grew up surfing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. Th- a lot the of those shots were or, you. 10 or 11 years old, I was down, uh, you know, I had a really good friend, uh, uh, Tom, I forget his last name. He had a beach house in Laguna Beach. 
So that's where I learned to surf at Bay Street and down in that area. And I pursued it, became very good friends with Rob and Raj Doucette, who had a surfboard company. And uh, I, I was at the beach four or five days a week wow. before school even. Wow. Yeah. So now when you booked that role, how far into your career? Because Big Wednesday, that on your profile, that's always the first noted movie. I, I would think Carrie would be noted ahead of that. Yeah, I did something before that with Ann Baxter, which was a religious film. And um, it, 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 it made the Christian community. I mean, that's where it played in the heartland of the United States. But I did a lot of television. Uh, what really launched my career, uh, if I recall right, I did uh, the pilot episode of Police Woman with Angie Dickinson. Oh, that was sweet. She was really hot. Wow. And uh, How I old got were to, you? I was like, I think I was like 21. Oof. So you're right in there. She was real hot then. (laughs) And we got close. Oh, see? That's beautiful. (laughs) I was the bad guy in that, holding her hostage. And that 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 episode, I was in the, you know, the beginning trailer uh, of the, you know, that introduces the show. The whole season I got uh, I got to appear on that. And that really launched my career. And I got to do some other stuff, David Jansen and yeah, but Kodo, I did something with them, and eventually ended up doing um, uh, doing Carrie, which was my, you know, which was a, f- a seminal film for Brian De Palma. Yes, and uh, it, it, Sissy Spacek got uh, Academy Award nomination, as as did Piper Laurie, I believe, and we we all John Travolta and. And, and Nancy and and I totally DJ forgot he was in that till I rewatched yeah, it. You, yeah, yeah. I would say your six degrees of separation is incredible. Mm. The amount of people that you have worked with within your career, I would say you. Do could, we have friends? I would. I bet. I bet <laughs> we, we probably have. I friends. bet we do. Yes. I. I. I think it's it's really amazing how how you found this this niche for yourself and you always found work. Now I don't know if the industry is. I mean, it's not the same as it used to be, but I don't know if movies like that get as much, uh, get made as much as they used to. Like, I don't know if anyone is going to have the same kind of opportunities that you did as an actor because the industry was so different. Probably more opportunities nowadays with the, uh, the so many uh, outlets. But, but it's also so saturated. You were doing movies where there was maybe only... St- I don't know, a hundred movies made in in the year, like a hundred movies of that of that production level, of that budget level. Well, for every good movie I did, I did like ten bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's even more. No, you kept working. Now, yeah. I, I you know I wanted to get to this a little later, but you have over a hundred and twenty. I've stopped counting at one hundred and twenty because it's so incredible. You're you're just your acting filmography now. Ah. Did you? What am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. God damn, I wondered that same thing. I'm leaving. <laughs> now, is there any moment that you look back at your career where where you're where you feel like if I would have done this, maybe I could have been this guy or that? Like, do you compare your your career like that to anyone, or is there any moment where you look back like maybe I shouldn't have taken that role? As opposed to something else, because you seem to have a lot of opportunity, you know, and you have done 
very well for yourself. But I've, I've had a good, I've had a decent run. Yeah, you know? but when you get, you know, when things are hot, sometimes you're getting opportunities and you choose one over another. Is there a moment where you, you think back, maybe I should have taken, gone right instead of left? Um, yeah, there were se- several of those, uh, of those moments. Yeah. Well, the, can yeah. You, like what? So I think I would have liked to have stayed on stage. I was in New York doing a, a Michelle Tremblay play uh, with Diana Weist, the great Diana Weist, uh, at, at the last season at the Phoenix Strip, and I had I had a really good thing going doing theater back in New York. I, I think I would have liked to have stayed there because I I always felt more at home on stage. And how old were you at this time? You were a young man. No, 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 no. I was. This, I was 26, right in the same time. I, I, it might have been right after I did. No, it was. It was after I did Big Wednesday and Butch and Sun the Sundance, the early days with Tom Berenger. I went back east to do some theater. So you were, I always did theater. You were year. hot then, though. You had. I was doing all right. Yeah, like you I were was, busy. I was doing all right. I don't think I was getting the, the really. You and your agent were talking shots. at least once a week. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I talk once every three months. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's still alive. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what. Now, what advice could you give young actors who who were in that position? Like, what what would you say? I don't know. I was out. Uh, I just remember not the best advice, Bill. I no no. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna couch it. Um, <clears throat> I was hustling. I mean, I I really hustled. Really? I I tried getting out there to uh, all the important parties that were going on at the time, oh. you know, to make sure that uh, I would be seen with the, the right people, you know. And um, I, I, I tried to keep my name afloat doing that, you know. But but um, I don't know what advice I would give. I, I, I love the theater. I would get up on stage. But of course, now you can't do theater anymore, can you? Well, I it's all virtual. Yeah. It's all How's uh, Broadway on Zoom. Come back? Who? How's Broadway going to come back? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's going to take, I believe, years for people to genuinely feel comfortable in a packed theater, even with a vaccine. Yeah. You know, like there's been a lot of fear instilled in, in, in people. And not only did I try to create a safe environment here based on that, I know that we saw times at the comedy clubs where, where I mean, they're adding extra chairs. People are literally eating on top of each other. Yeah. I, and I, I don't like comedians are grabbing food from someone's plate. Yeah, I don't know when we're gonna see those days I again. Know. I don't know. I mean, you I'm got to see. I mean, from the change from from actual film stock to digital, to um, to the advent of social media, like you've seen a lot of changes. Even the way studios market films, the way they the way they uh, finance films, you know, it's everything mm-hmm. has changed in your industry. And you know, there, yeah, there, there, there wasn't even social media just a few years ago. There wasn't a social, you know, it wasn't social media. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember. Do you remember? Were you are you old enough? Do you remember the pagers that we used to have? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, my totally. god. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. But you come from a time where people could only find out about a movie um, just looking in the lo- in the paper. You know, that would be the or at a bus stop, you know, mm-hmm. like that would be like the, the only ways or television commercials. But some of the movies you did wouldn't even get advertised on TV. No. How would people find out about some of the movies that you was it just word of like if you got distribution into theater, then you had a chance. 
Well, usually, like with the, with the uh, like uh, the films you were just talking about a minute ago, like Carrie or Big Wednesday, yeah. or these are all studio. Well, Big studio Wednesday, films, I looked so into that was a. Warner Brothers, it was a big yeah. failure at the time, dude. <laughs> well, it, it was a big failure. It seemed to, Big Wednesday seemed to have found a real niche in that surfing subculture. Well, it mm -hmm. was about a ribbon of society that that was on the coasts, you know. Uh, but it did not do well initially. And it was like $10 million. They had to double the budget. I just think it was like $8.5 million at the time, which was a big budget at the time. Huge. Yeah. Well, I'm sure filming some of those surfing scenes, I'm sure that was... Just as an experience oh, for great. a human, I'm oh, sure was that great. was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. We surfed uh, before production started. We were down in El Salvador surfing. Jan, Jan and I, Gary didn't go because he was working doing something else. Yeah. But we were down there with uh, all the best surfers in the world, you know? And uh, uh, George Greeno, who was famous at Surfing Magazine, yeah. and uh, Dan Merkel, and... Uh, uh, John Milius came down a couple times, and uh, uh, and uh, the writer, all, all the great, yeah, just it it was great. And then we did the film. We shot a lot at Point Conception, which is where they built that wall to to replicate uh, uh, Malibu in the '60s. Oh. And they built that great wall, and we shot a lot up there. And then we were over on the North Shore for like six, eight weeks uh, in the fall to surf the. Big waves. As a California kid, that must have been a oh, dream. Freaking heaven, right? I, I yeah. remember a conversation with my dad uh, at the time. You know, because he used to. I, I grew up and he used to say, uh, you know, you can't make a living with your surfboard. <laughs> so it was kind of. You yeah. know, he had to eat some humble oh, pie yeah. there. You, know? <laughs> you loved every minute, I did. every I did. check you cashed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I weird. Hey, dad. Uh, yeah, man. Funny. Now, I, everyone is so beautiful in that movie. God, that's God. But there, there was a scene. There's two questions I have here. There's a scene. What's your workout routine and what's your diet? <laughs> yeah, well, well, do you, well, first off, do you ever look back at yourself like, God damn, I was an Adonis. I mean, your hair. Oh, yeah, forget that, about it. Yeah. This, you had the whole California look. Yeah, yeah. I have it in the cage at home. It's still alive. <laughs> well, yeah. It, you can grown. legally ride a motorcycle with that hair. <laughs> yeah. Right? It was amazing. Yeah. Now, now, I guess my question is, do you ever look back at yourself with, like, oh, like that that was me? Like, with some, like, smile and happiness? Like, does that, Somewhat, does that so period make you happy? I had a fan in, in uh, Australia that recently sent me a picture with me in the middle and all the women, all the gals that I've worked with. Uh. And there were many. And I, I just felt like the luckiest son of a bitch in the world. I'm going, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, when I look... I was so lucky. At your career, I agree. No. <laughs> you have no... There's no qualms for me about that. So that's why when you think back at your career, what's like one of the first few things that come in your mind that really bring a smile to your face? Oh my God! There's so, so many. One of the first you know, few. One of the first. Uh, uh, Angie Dickinson. That was pretty good. <laughs> well, see, yeah. as a young I man, it's very influential, <laughs> though. You were 21. Yeah, and she was like late 30s, yeah, probably. Yeah, you're the just time. soiling your royal oats at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, it was I'm great. Like it, it affects. You know, as you get a little older, a little more experiences, the experiences don't resonate the same way. Yeah. So I'm sure as a as a 21 well, any, any of your fans or listeners, uh, uh, viewers out there, they could go back and look at Angie Dickinson 
when she was a young woman hanging out with uh, the Ocean's Eleven crew. And I'll put with Sammy links. Davis yeah. and Sinatra. I mean, she was hanging out with those guys. So you know she had to have something going on. Like I said, you're six degrees. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one. And, uh, you know, when we did Carrie, that was pretty neat, working with Sissy. We were already friends because we both lived up in Topanga Canyon. Her and her husband, Jack, were neighbors, in fact. Um, so I know knew Sissy. I was very friendly with Amy Irving at the time, who ended up marrying Steven Spielberg, and we stayed friends. And, um, oh, there was so many. Uh, Jill Eikenberry, who was so lovely on Butch and Sundance. Wow. And uh, Susan Day, first love we did. So there was a dish coming off the Partridge family. Was there any mm. actor that you were competing against regularly at the time? Because you had a unique look, like with your hair and I mean your sharp face. Like, did you, like, was there any actor that was booking roles sometimes where you're like, this fucking guy? Well, hey, let, let's talk. Richard Gere. Richard Gere, I'm jealous. He's had a envi- – I'm envious. And, <laughs> well, and, I look and at so you now, uh, my mom will – He he, he had yes. a great career. Kurt Russell had a great career. Um, you know, I got to audition with Kurt Russell. We 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 did a live audition on camera for uh, George Lucas for oh, Star right. Wars. I was auditioning for Luke Skywalker, and he was auditioning for uh, Han Solo. And uh, he blew it for me because <laughs> I could have had that role. <laughs> Uh, See, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Now, when you say he blew it for you, how? Oh, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just No, because in our minds, like, we remember our, when we were so close that we can smell it. Yep. Like, you know, Luke Skywalker wouldn't was, have done bad for you. <laughs> Those are audition I was tapes. close. I was close. But I, I got to do Tommy Ross, and that. That uh, eventually led to uh, Greatest American Hero, and and that which that was, was a, a great and that was a great role for you. It was, it was, and it would have been better now. However, at the time, you know, now we have the Ed Nortons and the Hemsworths and all these guys that are everybody wants that franchise. They want that big uh, DC comic book or the Marvel comic book. They want that franchise. When I did Greatest American Hero, though, you got to remember the only one that really uh, came before me. Maybe there was somebody else I'm forgetting, but Adam West. Mm-hmm. And he talk about uh, you know doing Batman. So know. maybe you're a little too early. Well, I know I had an impact, and it was a lot of fun. And my God, I spent three and a half years laughing my ass off with Connie Selica and and Bob Culp and and and, and a great See crew that? and cast. But at the, but honestly. You know, it, it was kind of um, anathema to having the kind of career that I wanted to have, you know, as a serious dramatic actor and being on stage, you know. What does the word anathema mean? Anathema? Yes. The, <clears throat> it was the exact opposite. Like, Can I get a dictionary yeah, out here? Yeah, I can look. <laughs> I just want to make sure. Dictionary.com <laughs> is a because <laughs> source. I, I think. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's the exact opposite of the career I would have liked to have So had. this is a great point that I've actually really thought about like with you, and that's what I was kind of getting at earlier, those moments in life where we feel like we could have branched off into that other direction. Your life yeah. w- would have been this plane, would have, could have, should have. Would have, could have, should have. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. I look at your career as one of not only influence, but of great reach. Like you've done episodic, you've done film, you've worked with some of the greats. You not only rubbed shoulders with with the best of the best. Like you were, you were and are still in the fight. 
And I love that. And it's inspiring to me. And I'm just wondering, wow. do, do you see your career that way? Do I you? want a cookie. <laughs> well, goddamn, like, you know. I want I, a cookie and a gold star right there. Absolutely, you should. <laughs> no, you should because so many people fight and kick and grind just for a chance to be in the fight. Yeah. And not and not even get not even get through round one. And like you've been kicking and grinding and you've had longevity. And that's a testament to any career in any industry. Oh no, no, I'm happy. I've had a I've had a long career. Well sure you're happy, but do you look at it like I say with with the, the high regard that I do? Because no. Oh, see, that's what I was because when you're in it sometimes it's very hard. I feel like I've clawed my way up to the middle. Uh, to the middle of the ladder. That's where I've clawed my way up to. How many hotter women do you have to work with? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what? Yeah. How many? A hundred more? <laughs> well, my, I, rem I, I remember uh, I remember doing a, a, a show when I was newly married to my wife. I've been married a long time now. But uh, I, I, what was her name on? Your wife? Uh, the, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I was doing a series called uh, for Aaron Spelling called Models Inc. Sure, I remember. And, yes, and uh, who was it? Carrie Ann Moss, yeah. who is most famous on uh, The Matrix. Okay. Is yes. That? Yes. And I had a scene where I laid this big kiss on her. My wife gets up off the couch, walk, walks over the TV, and turns it off. Says, "Well, that's enough of that." Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> now, um, how <laughs> how how long have you been married? When you say a long time. Uh, almost 28 years now. One single, one time one, married? Yeah, one I was married before, but that was, uh, you know, seven, doesn't eight years. Count. Doesn't count. Doesn't <laughs> count. We don't want to talk yeah, about no, that no. anyway. Any, <laughs> no, no, no. So congratulations. Like, what advice, uh, now totally unrelated to acting, what advice do you have to keep a relationship together for 28 years? <sighs> oh, wow. Um, wow. <laughs> no, I get to it, sir. Like, I don't... Okay, I may be an out-of-work comedian, but I got Lie. a lot of shit to say. <laughs> <laughs> Lie through your teeth, you yeah, know? No, no. Well, I, I think um, you're, you can see that you're very dedicated in what you do, just through um, your career and just now the way you answer questions. You've been married 28 years, so there's a level of dedication to you that I'm not sure if the children of today have. Yeah, if you just ignore her, she'll... That's all right. Um, do you think, do you think like, social media and some of these kids, like, they're going to be able to have the same kind of dedication you did? Because, because... I, I think there's, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the, uh, we had a rough first 10 years, 15 years, because I traveled all the time. You know, we have, between us, we have four kids. They're all grown now. But at the time, they were small, and I was gone six months a year. And it, you know, either doing a film or doing theater, you know. Sure. And uh, I, I had to stop about 2005, 2006. I stopped traveling. I said, I'm not going to do that. I went away and directed a few things on stage. But you're away for six weeks, and then you come home. You know, you leave on opening night. You go, okay, now the stage manager is going to take over. I'm going home. Good luck, actors. Um, but I don't. I don't go for months at a time anymore. A few weeks. That's a. That's about. That's the, probably hard on the relationship. Oh, it was very hard, very very hard. And and she's a working gal. Well, she's and always that's a worked. Test. Uh, you know, worked full time and raised the kids. You know, testament to her. 
Yeah. You know, also, you God know, it's bless a, her. It's a symbiotic thing. It can't yeah. just be one or the other. Yeah. You know, that's really, no, that's really amazing. I like to see, I like to see that um, people kind of fight through the hard times to get through to better times. Because, you know, it's like when you push through, that's when, as they say, the miracle happens. Let, or me, let me quote someone. I, I remember seeing an interview with Tom Hanks, and they asked him, they said, what is the secret to success? And he said, choose the right partner. And that's, that's what I would say, too. I think that was so apropos of, of, of my life. Uh, the first time, not so much. The second time, a great partner. That's be- well, also, uh, we live and learn. Mm-hmm. And I have plenty of relationships that I've been in that I look back, and I'm like, I would never now in my life choose this type of person based yeah. on what I know that I cannot deal with. You know, And I've learned what I cannot deal with. Do you two please. get along well? H- how's this relationship going? We're friends, yes. Yeah, yeah, we okay. so. Why, go. did you notice some tension? <laughs> 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 well, every relationship, whether it's a, a, a romantic relationship or a working relationship, it's, yeah. how, how's it going, you know? Well, th- this is also new in its conception. I've already had one person quit, literally walk out during an episode. Really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you not... Uh, the strain of actually performing is not – people think they look at anyone's career yeah. and anyone who makes things look easy, sometimes it's a false sense of security on other people because they're like, oh, I can do it. And they don't realize how much work and effort and actual struggle – Yeah, exactly. You look at any a- great athlete. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you don't – they make it look easy. Yes. Oh my God. They don't. You don't see all the work that's gone and the sacrifice and all the work. I think back, you know, for myself, and I know it's uh, it, it's it, it's the same for most every successful actor. There has been a lot of behind the scenes work and sacrifice that's gone into having that kind of a career. Mm-hmm. Did you th- did you immediately know that you could act? Did, or did you have to really work on your craft? Because you, you've well, obviously seen people can just take on a character immediately. Yeah. Uh, both. You know, I was very lucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, you know, the old adage is I'd rather be a lot lucky and a little talented. Yes. And mm. a lot talented and a little lucky. I mean, that yes. that's very true. I, I was in the right place at the right time many, many times. And... Uh, you, you have to give credit where credit is due. You want to be lucky. Um, but yeah. you have to be prepared when the opportunity yeah. presents well, itself. I right? believe luck is the preparation, the meeting of preparation and opportunity. Yeah. That's right. nothing more, nothing less. And Because I don't like to, maybe it's because I have this belief that if I just grind and keep my head down, th- I will end up where I'm supposed to be. So I don't like to believe that um, things. Well, you, you know, you know, as a stand-up, you know, yeah. you, you're in the room, you're working a club or whatnot, and you have a great set. It's great. It's perfect. Everybody is laughing. Everybody is getting your jokes, and and there happens to be a very, very big talent scout out there from one of the big uh, evening shows, you know, and. and uh, it's just luck. You go, oh, my God, he's fantastic. We're going to book him on the show. And then you get on a show like Johnny Carson, and pff, it's you explode. I also look at it like you get up in front of Netflix and HBO and Showtime, and then you bomb like I, I did. Uh-oh. <laughs> because I thought my shit didn't – I thought anything I was going to say was going to be funny. 
And I was at a time when, um, you know, there was enough heat behind me that I was in the right room, and they're like, put me up there, and I just didn't, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't, no, I, I, because I, I had a big head, and I, you know, and I look back at, and I was three, four years in comedy at the time, and I look back, and maybe I was lucky to learn how to actually care more about the craft, about my actual comedy, who I'm presenting to, and, um, not let arrogance, and I wonder, because I look at your career, and if I would have been successful at 21, I don't know if I would have been alive. I don't know. No, I don't, I, because... I would rather have success older mm-hmm. than younger. So, And, and then that's uh, my next thing to you. How, how did you... You obviously have a good head on your shoulders. How did you now, sidestep some now. of the obstacles <clears throat> and things? I've become much more humble... And uh, and filled with gratitude now than I was then, you know. I, I was uh, honest to God when I was in my twenties, I might have been considered by some people as a prick. Oh, I get it. No, oh, no, really. I I I I, I, I sir believe in evolution, and I myself was what? not the nicest person. No, I wasn't. To some people, some people I was lovely. I was always myself, and and to friends and most of the crew, I was very nice to. But but some some public. Uh, individuals, when I go out and and I, I had a lot of success, I was recognized everywhere I went. I was not nice sometimes, you know. I could be really persnickety, and uh, I paid for it. Would but you like now, to nowadays, nowadays, I'm in the last. I would say the last 10, 15, 20 years, even. Was I, it, I try to be very humble. Was it arrogance or just youthful exuberance? Both. Both. Yeah, I, I believe I would answer the same. Would you have? I was going to ask you if you wanted to look up persnickety. <laughs> <laughs> Where's yeah. that dictionary? <laughs> yeah. No, I and I think um, I think it's amazing that you were able. It's a testament. I mean, maybe maybe being arrogant did save you a little bit too, because I feel like you probably had a lot of people that were trying to hang her on, I suppose, and influence. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, you know, anybody who gets a, a big film role or is uh, new on a successful TV series, you're going to have friends that you didn't know you had. You know, you're going to have sure. so many friends, so many cousins and nieces and nephews and family members that live 2,000 miles away. They're going to be calling. And that's that's kind of, that comes along with it. I think, you know, and if you're in a, in a band or you're a pop star and you get, you have success. Uh, I think that comes along with the territory, you know. Well, and how were you able to navigate some of it? Well, I don't think that I, I don't think that I did uh, very well. Uh, really, why? the first till I was in my mid thirties, I, I mid to late thirties, I started to do better. Um, I just started to. Well, it started to take its toll on me. I wasn't getting the, 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 the films and the projects that I wanted to do. And there was a reason for that, because I had been uh, not, a nice, not a nice person. And it, it really wasn't until my late 30s that I started to change. And I, I met my wife at that point. And uh, she was having none of that. Well, you get so what you get. You get so what I, you get. I have changed a great deal since then. Well, sure, you get what you give in this world. I think and so. Yes, I really believe that. Now, 
And I had a number of things, you know, like you were talking as a stand-up. You know, when you go out there and you fail, you you fail big. You know, I've had a lot of it I've stings. had a lot of those things. You know, those are hard night sleeps. Oh my William. god! I still and I try to yeah. keep it close to the fire because I don't want to make the same mistakes. Yeah, I've had those things that are so mortifying, so embarrassing that you go, "Oh my god, I'm never going to recover. Never going to recover." And it and it what it does it 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 just it sharpens your tools for next time. It does in the moment. That's you, hard to see though. You go away. You lick your wounds. You say, "I'm never I'm never going to do this again. I'm just going to sit here in this closet and drink this bottle of tequila, and I'm never coming out." And uh, this is like an acting role. Or <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, no, I I I was researching. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the, I. I totally agree with you, but this gets back to one of my earlier questions. I, I really hope that the youth nowadays can hear this lesson. And I think I learned it because my mother's from Bogota, Colombia, and she was very much like, you go, gotta fail. You gotta go fail. Because mm-hmm. you gotta learn how to fix what you did wrong. Mm-hmm. You gotta learn to stand up and get better. But not every, like, it's a lot of instant gratification. And let me look down at my phone, and, and that's my work. Instead of going out and trying, and especially with the pandemic, like I wonder if if people if a generation if we're gonna lose art if we're gonna lose creativity because you know there is less the opportunities are so much different mm-hmm. than they were, and I can't imagine if you were graduating or if you're even in college, graduating high school, just about to graduate college, like. I don't know if you would want to move to L.A. to work theater or to New York. I don't know that you do have to anymore. Well, wh- I mean, all you need is a you need a no. camera and you can set up in your apartment. And if you got a and if you're talented and you have something to say, look at all these new TikTok stars for God's sakes. Yeah, Richard Cervantes is one of them. Hello. He did a TikTok movie that got millions of views, like a ten-part TikTok movie, and it got I am on IMDb. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it th- it's a. Very you should be sitting here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's switch real quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brave new world, and that's why I see your career, and I just wonder who would. If there's even going to ever be another, like, uh, there won't ever be another William Cat, but someone whose career that you would say was very similar or that you could see some of the decisions that they made based on some of the decisions that you made or uh, some of your evolution, you know, as a person, as a actor, as a, as a decision maker, mm-hmm. you know? So I, because I, that's why I, I really... um. I think the industry is so much different than it used to be. I just don't know where it's going to land when the dust settles, you know? Because things seem oh. all over right now. Yeah, it does. It does. <coughs> Why did... Yeah, Both well, because of the pandemic and because of what's going on politically and how divided our country is and, and, and the world is like... Studio sh- financing? Oh, my yeah. God. Like, it... The amount of money that they're going to have to make movies in the next five years is going to be very different than it was five in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Like when Netflix and all these places are just throwing money around to get content. I don't. And that's why we see so many horrible projects that look gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know, because they're hiring everybody but the writers, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. to do work. So I, I just what, for a young 
because I I fancy I don't really fancy myself. I've been in the union 10, 13 years now. I thought at one point before I was a comedian, I thought I was going to be an actor. Oh, you know that? Yeah, that's what was my initial direction. I started theater, went to Stella Adler, did, did the pro. Yeah, I mean, right. I I I thought performing performance art was the was the be all and end all. I just never considered comedy until until I really started failing as an actor. Really? Well, yeah, because I almost got back into the into the business world. Like when I first graduated college, acting was going to be it. And I um I booked a couple things, had a little success, burned through that money so fast. Um, got one little job and then another I fell into a job as the West Coast public relations manager of the Wall Street Journal. Wow. Yeah, I I words are my gift and I thought this is what everyone was like, do a real job. Quit this dream stuff. Like you have talent and ability that you don't need to act. So I took a job and I was as miserable as I ever was. Wow. Yeah, I hated my life. One day my division got shut down. They offered me a job in New York or the worst severance you ever saw. Wow. I took the severance and haven't, you know, and have made it enough, you know, in the last 12 years. And that was 12 years ago. It took about two years for me to find comedy. And comedy about 11 now. And I, I don't know where the end is, but I know if people don't pivot, they end up being those people that kind of die in the fray. And you were able to pivot your whole This is career. really sad. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, I look at it. I look at it as just the evolution story. But like my long-winded question is, you have pivoted so many times throughout your career, and like the way, and I even see it in your acting style and your like your decision making. What do you think the next pivot or the next well, move I'll, for <clears throat> William what, Cat what, is? What a lot of people don't know is like for the without last being sad, William, please. <laughs> okay. <I won't laughs> I'll this is that. yeah. This is a funny. Podcast. I'll put on a happy. I'll put on a happy face. No, this is a real interview show. This no, is but my I'll, interview set. I, I tell you what, I worked for. Uh, I had a slow period up until about three or four years ago. I've been working a little bit more. Yes, I recently, uh, mainly because I have friends that are producers or directors, and they call me up. They Bill, you want to come and play, and I and I have. But before that, from about two thousand eight. To 2015, I was working for a friend of mine pretty much all the time as a production designer and a line producer. Uh, we made uh, about 30 uh, commercials a year. And wow. I worked for a, a very dear friend of mine, Chris Fellino. It was his company, and I worked for him and uh, a couple other guys, Jacob Hawes and Fernando Velosa. We, we worked at a company called Sideshow Productions, not Sideshow Collectibles. It's another company. And we did a lot of... Uh, I worked for them as an employee, and we did a lot of commercials, kids' commercials primarily, for Disney and, uh, you know, Jack Specific and a lot of those companies, Spin Masters and whatnot. And that's what I did to keep afloat. Yeah. Uh, when I wasn't working as an actor, the great thing is when I would get a job as an actor, they would say, hey, okay, go away, go do your film, go whatever you're going to do, TV, and then come back. So I had that kind of flexibility, but that kept me afloat. See, that's... You have to pivot, and you have. I to did be pivot. Yeah. Very adaptable. Yeah. No, you have to in this, and and I, I guess my n my next question is, why didn't you pursue directing more? 
I did uh, I did a couple films. The River's End, I watched. Uh, River's End yeah. and uh, Clean and Narrow, Jack Nosworthy, Laura Layton, and Wings Hauser, and some really great people. I did two films, and they got a little bit of airplay. You know, I thought they were very good films, but f- kind of family-oriented films. Yeah, I was so... Um, it took so much out of me to do both of those. I did start directing. I dir- directed more theater, and I really enjoyed that because that's my medium. You know, I understood it, and I and I did that. Um, I just never had the opportunity to direct more, honestly. Yeah. Because those films didn't break out. They just did okay, but they didn't break out. So I didn't have anyone calling me to direct, you know. Ultimately, that's where I would like my career yeah. to go, but directing, and I've learned, Roberto was actually the AD on my first project, but it's... You know, it's going to be two years of my life. It's grueling. It is. There um, is no harder job on the planet than being a director. And the, you know, I'm thankful that more horrible things didn't happen. Yeah. Because I see. Well, what, what's the adage? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Oh, t- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that you know. some of these things that I were worried about. You know, last year, do you remember when people raided Area 51? Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I rented a Sprinter and two RVs, had a crew. Yeah, we went and filmed a documentary, a very, um, a very character-driven documentary, and you know it's so far so good. But I has, has that been released? No, not yet. I it's close to. Okay. It's cl- um, but so so. What did you discover? Did you find little I, green I, men and uh, yeah. no, like no, no, no? <laughs> I discovered. Well, the whole uh, premise was that I believe people who are. High-level UFOologists yeah. are in search of something in the same parallel that any religious person is. Like, you're putting a lot of blind faith in things that are unseen and maybe not easily understood. So we're not all that much different. Like, we're all in search of things and something, but it's just a matter of if you're clear on what you're in search of. And when you get to where you're supposed to be if you realize that you found something, maybe not what you were looking for, but you found something else. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the long-winded point that the, the whole documentary is about. If you've ever seen Best in Show, mm-hmm. it's a it, it was... Um, How fun. Yes, it was something similar, but uh, the Werner Herzog-ish. If you... Oh. Yes, it, you know, if you... <laughs> He did um, a story about the Loch Ness monster one time. I don't. It's a very. I didn't see it. It's a very funny, very not well known movie of his, and it inspired me years and years ago. But I, I would say directing. How long did you invest your life into Rivers End? Was that two years about? That was. We wrote this script, my friend Kermit Chrisman and I, and uh, we wrote the script, and then it was about. Uh, it was it was a good year, year and a half. To do that project. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. And we shot that down in uh, just outside of Houston. Uh, we were down down in Texas for quite a while. Uh, and and, and uh, so, yeah, I was down there. I did that. And I did another film, uh, 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 Molding Clay, which became River's End. And I would that, w- that, again, was in Texas. So I've spent a lot of time in Texas. That was about a year in Texas doing that. Do you, do you still like Los Angeles, living in Los Angeles? I, I like it well enough. My ki- uh, a couple of my kids are here. Yeah. Uh, two of my kids, one's in Denver, one's in Virginia now. And uh, I, I honestly, I don't mind it. My wife's work is here. Yeah. Um, 
now it's from home. She's working. She's taking over our kitchen table with her computers. She, you know, <laughs> it's like everybody. This is a, it's all what, Zoom. What does she do? She's a designer. She oh. works in the ho- hotel design. Oh. So she does it with a team of uh, a, a group, a group of uh, other people. Uh, but everybody is working from home now. Her office is downtown in the Wells Fargo building, that big building. They haven't been there since March. And I don't think they're going back. Everybody is working uh, very effectively from their own. That's a lot of rent places. they're paying. Oh man, big rent, big rent. Those big buildings downtown L.A. You look at New York, uh, uh, Chicago, Detroit. All those big urban centers with the big commercial buildings. So, I don't know. So this is probably a better question for your wife, yeah. and she'll cringe, you know, with <laughs> your answer. But I'm really curious. How, how does she say hotel design is being affected now? Oh, it is being affected. Oh, I'm sure greatly. But like, what's some of the big like more space? So you're not around other people. So I I don't know. Like, I don't know when 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 a vi- vaccine comes out. I don't know what's gonna make me feel comfortable to go certain places. Well, I, I don't. W- today I I hear what it was on the news. Uh, if you believe the news, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and God, you can't believe anybody these days. No, I don't believe anybody. It's very di- it's. It's become increasingly difficult to the point where it's almost not worth it because you're actually polluting your brain with some of the news that actually gets shoved down your throat. Everything, I didn't. I'm I'm, I'm pivoting. I guess. Sure, but, please. Uh, it's just on my mind. Everything you, MSNBC. You look at Fox News. You look at CNN. They're two sides of the same coin. All the outlets. It's all editorialized. It's not like factual anymore. Yes, and and I don't know how it's going to get better because they need the clickbait. They need the advertising dollars. They like, do. It's yeah. a. It's literally a vicious cycle that perpetuates itself. I went through the other day. I'm watching the news. You you watch the morning news, and I go. I had my uh, had my uh, my phone, my timer on there, and literally, it's like a minute of broadcasting, four minutes of commercials. They do a a, a fifteen second uh, pull, and and then they go back to more four more minutes of commercials. So you're really get, it's just like I go oh my god there's no re- it's it's the reason I don't watch television there's just endless bullshit what what is your favorite creative outlet right now something just on your spare time like what do you do do you oh, I have a home studio I mean I I majored in music theory in school well my so you had I an play, album I play, released yeah years ago I'd play piano and and guitar and I pretty much do that all day long uh, when I'm not when I'm not doing other things you know I I you know, I I have some passive property, as, and I'm a landlord, so I can watch that and fuck around with that. But you know, I'm I'm a hack, you know, and and it's my it's my hobby. So yeah, that is it's your my al- hobby. Yeah, it's my, my outlet. My my question was going to be for the album that you released. What I did not look it up. I could oh, not find. Oh, uh, Secret Smiles. That was for MCA many many years okay, ago. So, yeah, I thought this <laughs> was maybe the album a- was overproduced. <laughs> it was for Scotty Brothers, who are you know everybody knows were not the nicest people and kind of maybe maybe were crooks i don't know really? but uh but it that did all, all right but uh, it wasn't the kind of music i'm i've been playing in a in a jazz trio for for years really wow yeah, yeah. when uh when the world comes back i would love to see you guys perform do you ever <laughs> okay. perform here locally well well we're not we're not doing it anymore just recently because two of the band members moved to oregon oh. they left we were saying would you leave california yes i would if I could, yeah. But my wife's work is here, and yeah. and our a couple of our kids, our daughter is here, and my wife and my daughter are like that. 
So she's not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I've seen the changes in L.A., and you remember back, L.A. used to not be the nicest place. Mm. Like, there was a lot of crime and prostitution, and, and Silver Lake used to be gangland. People really don't understand. You know, like, things have really evolved for the better. I just... Um, well, for the better, but now it's... Come on. I know. A lot of homeless. Uh, it's Homeless got, everywhere, and now with the eviction, the moratorium on rent is going away, you know, and there's going to be thousands more people homeless. And I don't, I don't know what... Uh, I don't know what California is going to do. Well, the, you know? I don't either. I think it's been totally financially mismanaged, and <laughs> you get so far into a hole sometimes... You just you can't get out, and I I don't know I don't know what to say. As a, I like I like to be solution oriented. I don't like to just point out a problem without a solution. And this, it's going to take not only leadership, but I hate the, the word maybe even austerity. Like to get I, I don't know because in five six years they're going to need to sell bond, and companies like Amazon are going to come in and own half of Los Angeles. Oh yeah. And that's that's a real that's a very <laughs> real scenario. They're, they're buying up to do uh, brick and mortar places now, uh, Amazon. Yeah, and and so well, you can go work for them for minimum wage, so that uh, Bezos makes his trillion dollars. You know? Yeah. To, oh, that's he's on the route to it. Yeah. He's on. You have a question? No, no. He, he's the next Marvel supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> I, you're right. <laughs> he, he is. He's going to be controlling drones. I know. Depositing all sorts of things. That's funny. Uh, I had a, a question, if you don't mind. No, go. Uh, one thing I was very interested to hear more about is uh, your theater background, because it seems like you really left theater, and we talked about it many times. You almost wanted to pivot in that direction. And, you know, we do live stand-up and stuff like that, so my whole thing is the live experience. So I was just kind of interested. Um, is that the thing that you really oh, identify I, with in theater? Oh, my God, yeah. You know, and my favorite thing about theater is breaking the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. So you oh, can wow. actually, you're in a character, and you turn to the audience, and you start talking to the audience. That's my favorite thing to oh, do. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Just to get down in the audience. I remember I was doing um, I was doing Pirates of Penzance with the late, great George oh, Rose, yes. and I was doing a national tour. We just started. We were at the Wolf Trap in Washington, D.C., uh, and we were doing, and I was the Pirate King. And I got to do this great song, and my wife, uh, my first wife, and, and one of our, our my oldest son uh, came to the show. And I actually got down in character and was able to walk out into the audience and take my kid and bring him up on stage with me and sing a song to him like oh, that wow. in front of 7,000 people. It was fabulous. In character. In character. Wow. wow that it was is... great. I have many of those experiences that I've, I've really enjoyed in the theater. I really, really enjoy. I was doing, uh, I got to do Music Man once mm -hmm. at uh, a playhouse in Michigan. And I went up on 76 trombones. I, I couldn't remember the lyrics. So I turned to the audience and I ran down and I said, oh, come on, we all know the words. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and the audience all started singing the words for me. I'm going, whew. Oh, that's, that's on like, my way out of that one. That's so funny. That's like crowd work. In, that uh, is, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like in stand-up, you know, if you talk to the crowd or whatever, hey, uh, how long have you two been together? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's your version of it, like, in a play. Did you ever consider stand-up? Oh, God, no. That's terrible. <laughs> Well, so terrifying. Well, it, to me. It, it is terrifying. It is, but also what you're doing is slightly stand up. If you're just staying a in a little character. bit, but that's kind of improv. You know, I mm -hmm. did a lot of improv work as a kid. You know, growing up, part of the training that you do is, is improv training, 
And but I really need the foundation. I've always needed the foundation of a script. So I I have the safety of coming back. You know uh, what yeah. I mean? I feel the same way because I'm usually doing my routine and then I'm like, okay, now they've laughed enough. Mm -hmm. I'm safe. I can kind of veer off. And, but then once I stop getting laughs, I'm like, okay, right back to the script. Right. Yeah. Right. You see, can be a character and you can see someone in the audience and you're, I mean, you go, oh, what are you laughing at? Did, did I do something funny? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, he did something funny. Okay. All right. And then you go back into it, right? Yeah. Uh, you guys do the same thing. Well, that's so interesting because I've never actually seen a play where someone breaks the fourth wall. So that sounds pretty fascinating. Yeah, very rarely. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I. I. There are plays written like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I suppose a couple times I've taken some liberty. I. I remember being at the Phoenix Rep with uh, Diana Weist, and it was a, 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 a no breaks. It was a one and a half hour a play, and I'm on stage, and I have this big long speech to give about halfway through and I had been I was really sick and I had gone back to I had an apartment on uh, Riverside and, and 71st and I went across town because it the theater was on in the east side so I took a bus home and I rested and I I drank a bunch of night uh, not NyQuil but Rubitussin right Ugh. well by the time I got back for the evening performance I was still Fucked up on Rubitussin. <laughs> oh yeah. So I went up. I went up on this big speech that I had, and I'm walking around to each each of the actors like this, and they're in a big semicircle around me, and they're like this and smiling. Oh. Like this, and I'm going, you know, oh. what's the? And I go, I'll be right back. And I walked off stage, and I walked over to the stage manager's desk, and at, at that time there was a there's a desk on a stage laughter. Right on the wings, and I looked at the book to where my line was, and then I walked back on stage and continued the play. The kids call that robodosing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. robodosing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's very funny. You, but the thing is, to break the fourth wall in acting, for those of you who have never gotten on stage, it takes um, it takes a very strong actor because you're not only stepping out of your character and what your your rehearsed rhythm. Like, you have to remember where you are to get back into it. Right, well, it. we did a little bit. Of, well, you can do that in, in film. You know, we did a little bit, bit of that in Greatest American Hero. But a better example would be um, Cusack in High Fidelity. Yes. Right? He talks to the camera He talks to the bit. camera yeah. all the time. That's yeah. breaking the fourth wall in, in, in filmmaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's and very effective. And I think there's some other shows on the air right now that do that. You ever considered writing your own play? I have. Written uh, a couple of them. Uh, uh, one of them was produced with uh, uh, that I that I did a few times. We we made it to Long Island, was as close to off Broadway as we got. Uh, Lenny Kazan starred in that for me, and Joe Bologna and a, a couple oh. other good actors. We did it two or three times with different actors. So that's uh, now, in when you write a play what would you say the biggest difference between that and writing a screenplay for a film like what what is well i because i'm writing, writing for the theater i mean it's it's really heavy on uh excuse me on dialogue you know whereas film it's like you can go five six minutes without saying a word and you're letting the camera do all the work for you to tell the story but in the theater it's you know, it's it's a lot of dialogue, you know. Who did you, like, who was 
did you learn the most from? Like, who's the most influential, I suppose, throughout your career? Actor, director? Well, one of the most influential actors I ever worked with, who taught me a lot about writing, although I had been writing before this, was uh, Robert Culp, oh. when I did Greatest American Hero. You know, he thought of himself as a writer first, a director second, and an actor third. Always. You know? He wrote the script on I Spy that uh, uh, Bill Cosby won his his uh, his Emmy. Wow. He wrote that script. Uh, he was a marvelous writer. He taught me a lot about writing. We did a lot of rewriting on Greatest American Hero, always covering what the producers and the writers had written. You know, we, we covered the same context. We never changed the plot. But we would manipulate the dialogue and stuff so it felt more... Um, generic to who we were, you know, yeah. coming and out of our mouths. When so you're around that's why it seems so natural, the show. You when know? you're around a talent like that, like, y you ha you were, I guess, able to really listen and take stuff in. Like, I, I feel like that, that, to me, is one of the most amazing things about Hollywood. Is well, you always want to be working with someone who's better than you. Always, yeah. Always, because that, that, that's how you learn, you know. If yeah. you're a tennis player, you want to play against someone who's better. Well, if you're an athlete, you want to be with someone who's better because you're going, I want that. I want I want to learn. I want to absorb that so I can grow, you know? Do you ever do a project where in the moment you thought it was, oh, this is great, and then <laughs> not so great? <laughs> then, well, well, yeah, haven't you? I mean, many of those things. Well, sure. You know? Which one stands out in your mind? Oh, of me, course, me, yeah, I, almost everything. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know. Well... Well, a good example of that was uh, when I did uh, the, the film with uh, Tom Berenger. We thought Butch and Sam, that's the early days, which was, mm. I think, uh, I think we were the very first prequel. Uh -huh. We were, we had that name. Uh, at 20th Century Fox, we thought it was going to be a, a big deal. Richard Lester directed that, who directed the Beatle films, you know, Help, and, you know, and uh, we thought that that was going to be something. But... The regime, the head guys at 20th Century Fox, at, right after we made the film, just before it was coming out, they got the boot. Oh. And so all the new guys that came in, they said, oh, we don't want to do, we don't want to promote that, promote that film that those guys uh, had in the pipeline. So we're just going to kind of like get rid of it, you know? Now, isn't it oh. interesting how a career can, something can change so much because someone so peripheral gets fired and they don't want the people who get fired to get the credit for anything success. So they're like, let's just shit can it. And she'll be like, no, look how bad their stuff was. So, yeah. and y you know, that's how fickle Hollywood can be. Oh well, yeah. That you make one wrong enemy in Hollywood. It can cost you big time. Uh Oh yeah. You, know, you, you, you make an enemy of Michael Eisner, forget it. You're fucked. You know, you're fucked. Oh, man. Now, <laughs> there might be some truth in that. No, there is. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is. One of my buddies, he was the kid in Hook. And he, um, you know, he was going out with Leonardo DiCaprio all the time for all the roles. Yeah. His mom, you know, is his manager. And you're not supposed to, and, you know, signed with Spielberg. And they can't let anyone know your kid got cast. Da, da, da. She goes and tells the press. Oh. Right? Spielberg's like, your kid is never going to book. 
another movie in oh. this town. Thanks, and Mom. No, he got a TV show, but never worked another movie. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. That's yeah. That happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. And he was just, you know, 13 years old. Like, you know, it's just, it's like, the, it's, the business is absolutely wonderful, but the differences are, it's just, one inch to the right or one inch to the left can mm -hmm. really change a career, mm -hmm. you know, in, in ways that that I find fundamentally very troubling sometimes, yeah. you know, because yeah. I don't know who out there might be like, fuck Brian Moreno. Like, I don't know, like who <laughs> I may because I know I as I said, as a youthful, a more youthful version and skinnier version of Brian Moreno, I wasn't. I wasn't as open and as willing to other people's struggles. Um, their, what maybe they may be going through at the time. I was very um, self-centered, mm -hmm. you know. And I've learned to live outside of myself, and I'm happy for that. But I think, LA, as you've seen, people can really lose themselves. Mm -hmm. How did you? What was the moment? Oh, well, I've lost. I've been lost and found. So, well, how so did you? Many well, so then, how have you refound you yourself? Know? What was some big, like some some well, moments that you, you say? Well, by pivoting, you know, yeah. you you got to pivot, you know. Mm. Well, it's a uh, change is always hard when you don't have to do it. Like when you have to change, it's a little easier. Like the pandemic. Trust me, the, sh the idea for this show has been in my mind since Howard Stern's E Entertainment show. I just, you know, either whether it be fear or unwillingness to do the work, whatever, I just, for 15, 20 years, it's been in my brain, mm -hmm. and I was just never able to get it out until I was forced to. You know, so so just the same, I suppose, with you. But sometimes things are going good, and they're a lot of fun. And you've had a lot of fucking fun in your career. Now, I've had a lot of fun. Now, what act, now <laughs> who have you worked with that you look back like, man, that guy was... He would, or that girl, they were just so much fun. Like, just they would just light it up when they were around. Like, who? Fuck. <clears throat> you really put me on the spot here. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Wow. Gee whiz, who was really fun? Yeah, just light it up. You know, just like you're all the time, like you're, you're excited when they were around. Or, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be like the best actor. Because sometimes people... You know, they influence you in different ways. Well, I had a great, a lot of fun with Beverly uh, D'Angelo and John Hurd when we I were heard doing first, uh, first Love in Portland. I heard I mean, Beverly D'Angelo was a lot of fun. She's a hoot, man. I she's heard a freaking hoot. And what a, she's had a great career. Mm -hmm. Great career. Absolutely. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. But there's yeah. a, lot of one, a lot of people like that. You know, I, I enjoyed Bob Culp and... We had fun on Greatest American Hero. But you learned also Connie a lot. Connie Selica was so much fun. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, she had the foulest <laughs> mouth. <laughs> See, I and, and she is, she was, is, and is still, you know, she's married to the wonderful John Tesh. <clears throat> okay, yes, yes. And, uh, but when we were doing Hero, oh my God, I, we'd get up, we'd be there on set by 6 o'clock, 6.15. We'd sit in the makeup chair, like you two guys are yeah. sitting there, and they would working on us. And she would tell the greatest blue jokes. Oh my God, <laughs> the greatest blue jokes. And I, I love that. I loved. I loved being with her. And we we're still friends now, all these years later. See, that's what. That's what. Now, now, do you prefer working episodic or film? Because it's a totally different beast, right? I I think I prefer episodic, honestly, because I'm fast. I like to move very, very fast. You know, I don't want to do something 
30 times. Mm. And I don't want to, you know, you're doing a film and you're doing a half a page a day, maybe two pages a day. You might, you know, it, it might, you get there, you you block the scene, and then you go away for two hours a lot of while they're lighting it up. You know, and go, you know. Films. It's, uh, whereas television, you're doing seven, sometimes ten pages a day. You're moving very fast, you know. Yeah, you don't like the hurry up and wait kind of thing. I, I like to move. Yeah, you like. Now, um, as a young, dashing man, did you ever consider Gosh. soap operas? I did. I think I auditioned for soap when I was younger. Because I, when I, I see I, your look, I, I'm like, my God. You I, know, soap operas. As a kid, I was like. Sure, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. <laughs> sure, but but some of those but careers, I, but, the longevity of some of oh those. Oh my God, Jeannie Cooper was my mom's one of my mom's best friends. You know, and she had like a freaking thirty year career. That's not bad. You're making really good money, and you you have it. You have a longevity on those shows. It's not a bad way to make a living. But it's also a grind. It that's a grunt. Oh, they're doing yeah. shooting four days a week, yeah. shooting four episodes in, in a week, or but what? your mind gets very sharp because you, you know, it's a muscle. So you're learning these lines, and you know, <clears throat> when I was, when I was much younger, I could learn seven, eight pages a day of dialogue just in five minutes. I could learn it. Yeah, when I can't do it now. When I've worked with soap opera actors to see the way they can pick up dialogue, I'm yeah. like, my God, that's just years of working that just. It's like, it's like guys in a gym lifting weights that mm. they, you know, they get that body, that physique and that, their body, the muscle memory is, is working. And <clears throat> it's like that when you're doing, uh, when, when you're working in, in film and television, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting, your, your, your mind is getting really, really sharp. Did you ever get on set and feel like you were rusty? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. When I did. Even the first day of filming uh, when we did Carrie, the first day of filming on that was was running around the track field okay. uh, when, when Tommy is running around the track field. And I had a scene with Amy Irving. Well, we, we had to fucking reshoot that because I was like, I was like a mess, right? I was a mess. <laughs> now, now, how do you, as an actor, how do you, like a quarterback, when they throw an interception, you got to have a short memory. Because you got to get rid of that, and you got to get back into character. Yeah. Bring your. How do you do that? Yeah. Like what? What did? What does William well, Catter do to recenter? Well, for, fortunately, I'd been I'd done a lot of theater. Sure. And you have a lot of bad nights. You know, you have a bad day. You're not feeling well. Something happened at home, and you, that's part of the subtext of the character. And uh, you have those bad days. Fortunately, in the theater, you get the next night or the next matinee to try it again. You know, and you hope. You hope it's better. You hope you're running on all cylinders. Um, and the same thing holds true in film and television. Yeah. I, I, you get I, the next day. You go on to the next scene. You hope that the editors the editors uh, make you look good. They'll cut that part. Out, you know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah you got to I depended on that a lot of my career. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, that no, that that's, it gets to my... There, there, there's advice for every young actor. It's like, <laughs> get to know your editor really well. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's the biggest difference that you saw then? Because... When you're filming on film stock, and I try to explain this to people, they don't understand. You, they might have four cans for the day, yeah, and that's all they got. And if they, if you didn't get the scene, well, you're you fucked us. We got to move on. We don't have now. When you got to really see the transition from film to digital, now what was there any moment on set where you where you were first working with digital cameras and where you realize that we can just run we can just 
work oh. in a different way. Then I realized that no, I I was I was aware of that that transition when we started working. Well, with, I mean, with did those. it? I mean, yes, you were yeah, yeah, aware because they go. I, I go. Oh, oh, let me take. Let me go back. And they go. No, no. We're keep rolling. Keep rolling. That was something you never heard. <laughs> yes. When you're on film, keep rolling. No, that that <laughs> didn't <laughs> exist. Cut. You know. Yeah, that's what. And I, now and now you make mistakes. It's like keep rolling. You know. Well, that's what was one of the things in Big Wednesday when I was watching and explaining to them. You could see how they might have used a lot of film on those surfing shots. Oh, fuck. And that's why they had to go back to the studio for another million dollars probably just to buy oh, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to buy film. Yeah, they had no uh, water cameras at the time. You know, George Greeno and a couple of the guys, Bud Brown, came up. Uh, Greg McGillivray, who was famous for, uh, for a lot of surfing films, they came up with this camera, a housing uh, for the cameras, for 35-millimeter cameras to get out in the water and shoot surfing out in the water, you know? And uh, that, that was amazing. They had, like, I, I, I would have to talk to John about that, but it, it was hundreds of thousands of feet of film oh, that, I can, that, that you had to go through. Oh, I can totally imagine. Now, how did they... And this is a technical question for those who aren't, had never seen Big Wednesday. It's a coming-of-age surf movie, but it was very innovative on the way it was shot. And at the time, there was really nothing like it. It's very reminiscent of Endless Summer, but this was before that, obviously. Now, how were they on the cameras, on the surfboard with the camera in the rig? How did they shoot you on a, in motion like that? Because you... Your motion shots are almost like a GoPro. Like they did such yeah, a good it was job. George, it was George Greeno out there on his little on his little uh, raft. Oh, it was a raft on his knees, <clears throat> taking off on the wave with you, and going oh, like this. Right. And then you'd see him, you know, go whoa! <laughs> <laughs> these giant waves go back. But those guys were like maniacs. They were crazy. They just they just loved it. What they would experience. get crushed by these waves. <laughs> Wow, I bet, and what an experience! What a what a very formative thing for a youthful man to. It was great. I mean, everything I did was was terrific. Uh, you know, uh, all those films were so. I learned so much and had such a wonderful time. You know, did go ahead. we had a question about Big uh, Big Wednesday? We noticed that everyone was in shape, like everybody, like in the background too. Also, was that just the general like in the seventies where people just in shape? Did America get fatter? <laughs> yeah, or, or those just or are those all just actors? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, God, they're beautiful, oh. every person, and they were very pretty. I yeah. can attest to that. <laughs> now we noticed at the end, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Bob, oh Bob England. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, had a cameo in that. What? A Not only that, he narrates the whole film. That's his voice narrating the oh, entire film. Really? I had no idea. Yeah. No way. Yeah, that was such a cool, such a cool I met movie. I met Bob. We first met at uh, CTG, Center Theater Group over here. We were uh, part of, like, the ensemble on stage with uh, Joan Van Ark, Richard Chamberlain, and Werner Klemper in uh, uh, Joe Hardy directed um, Cyrano de Bergerac, and Richard Chamberlain was playing Cyrano de Bergerac. Marvelous. Brilliant, brilliant performance. That's where I met Bob. And wow. years later, we worked together in Big Wednesday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> See, you have been in the business, oh God, your whole, like, it has really changed and really formed you as a human. Now, do your kids like your movies? I 
think they've seen some of them. I, hey, mm-hmm. I haven't seen all my mom's films or sure. my dad's. Oh, okay. Films. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so you know, I'm. But I, do I you like your mom's and dad's films? Some of them, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, do your kids have any interest in the? No. None, none. And is it just from being around it, or just no interest? <sighs> Are your kids artistic? Autistic? Artistic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Either one, I suppose. I am autistic. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they all have talent. My oldest son, uh, Clay, was very talented uh, in music or whatnot. He did not do that. But all my kids do do their own thing. One's a lawyer. One's an esthetician. Oh, cool. One shoes horses. You know, he's a farrier. But but no one wanted to stay in the business. They go grow up and be like you. Nah, yeah, we we don't want any part of that. Well, a lot of times, um, you know, when you see what your parents do, you you either want yeah, you to want em- to emulate, that. you want yeah, to, yeah, or yeah. you want to go a totally different direction. Yeah. You know, it's usually a pretty clear why split. You know, yeah. I think, and you know, your kids still are a part of you, so I'm sure they carry some of your artistic, um, create creative third eye. I suppose. I I, su- I suppose yeah you know yes they're you know they're extensions of you yeah I, and especially with your with your music um you you've probably really touched them I've tortured know. them oh that too <laughs> but touched them artistically <laughs> more them. more than what you give yourself credit for because you know I think um, having you know having a diverse um, a diverse parent like yourself probably you know there are probably moments that. You know, you wish you could have changed, but ultimately, you have definitely formed them in a mold of yourself. And I and I think you're an absolutely wonderful human, Bill. Like I, oh, I no, I've spent the last week really investigating you, and I thank you for coming into Studio Fifty One. Oh. Do you have any more questions for Bill? Because you. You can come back anytime. You have anything you ever want to promote. Oh, you ever thank wa- you guys. Yeah, seriously. You ever want to talk about anything specific? You know, feel free to reach out to Roberto oh, uh, to come in because you're you. You, like you. You, I think, could really influence a lot of people who are trying to decide how to proceed in this in this industry. And seeing someone with such a, a long career is a testament. And I can't say it enough because. I don't ever. I, being famous was never an objective of mine. Just being able to be in it. No, my it was never an objective of mine. I just wanted to have a career yeah. in, in the field that I of my endeavor. You know exactly. And just being in it any way I can. I think I would make some of the exact same choices you have in pivot any way. Pivot any way you can to to That's to make it to make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know and. Um, and I have to say, you uh, you really, God, you, you, you've made me very happy coming in, and Thanks. you have reinvigorated, no, 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 you've you. reinvigorated me just watching you this week. So if you ever, and, I'm, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, if you ever want to promote anything, you ever want to just come in and laugh, or you want to hear some of my sad stories... You know oh, where yeah. you know <laughs> where where laugh to do it. Yeah, laugh or cry. I am absolutely <laughs> here for you. Okay. And when the world comes back, I do plan to uh, to bring you to a comedy show. I think you will well, like. We can it. both stand up on stage and fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is William Cat. You will have your entire bio in the body. That is Richard Sarvate. Did you have fun, Richard? Oh yeah. Yes, I did. Thank you so much for coming the, in, man. Yes, as the co-host, I just wanted—I was like, just follow my lead. 
I'm, I'm going home to see your TikTok. That's what I want to say. Yes, please. Okay. Yeah. Night of the Living Karen. Yeah, I made a series where I get bitten by a white woman and I start turning into a Karen. So. <laughs> it is a 10-part series. You find it on YouTube. Richard Sarvate. I am Brian Moreno. This has been another episode of the Brian Moreno Show. And William... You're a man amongst boys. I can't thank you enough. Roberto, thank you. Uh, producer of the show, thank you so much. Richard Cervate, we will be back later in the week. You're absolutely wonderful. Check out his movies. Uh, Big Wednesday, Carrie. Uh, anything else they should watch of yours? Uh, I, I don't know. Jesus, you would think I had just this his career. <laughs> Unbelievable. Thank you all very much. This Bye has been guys. the Brian Moreno Show. Thank you so much, sir.